0: Welcome to the B2B Mix Show with Elena and Stacy. Each week, we'll bring you ideas that you can implement in your own marketing strategy. We'll share what we know and advice from industry experts who will join us from time to time here on the show. Are you ready to mix it up? Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Stacy Jackson. And I'm Elena Jackson. We are the co founders of Jackson Marketing. And in case you couldn't tell by our last names, we are also sisters. We're bringing you episode 21 of the B2B Mix Show. Stacey, what are we digging into today? Today's topic is based on
1: sales professionals, but it can apply to just about anyone in a professional role who needs to network. In this episode, we are talking about digital selling on LinkedIn. And I'll let you introduce our guest today, Elena.
0: All right. We have Kurt Shaver, who is one of the co-founders and chief sales officer of Vingresso. And Kurt is an expert at getting sales teams to adopt new sales tools and techniques. Through a successful career in technology sales, Kurt learned what it takes to reach B2B decision makers. As a VP of sales for a global software company, Kurt was the executive sponsor of a salesforce.com rollout, and that's how he learned what it takes to get salespeople to adopt new Tools and techniques. That knowledge led him to launch his own Salesforce consulting business in 2008. When LinkedIn went public in 2011, Kurt recognized that LinkedIn would be the next great sales technology and that it would require expert training. He pivoted his business and now has over 10,000 hours of experience training corporate sales teams like CenturyLink, Ericsson, and Telepacific Communications. Kurt is the creator of the Social Selling Boot Camp and is a member of the National Speakers Association. He frequently speaks at corporate sales meetings and conferences like Dreamforce, Sales 2.0 and LinkedIn Sales Connect. Welcome to the B2B Mix Show, Kurt.
2: Hey Anna, thanks so much. Hi Stacy.
1: Hi. Well, Kurt, we know firsthand who Vingresso is and what you guys do, but maybe you could share a little bit more about Vingresso with our listeners.
2: Sure, absolutely. So, Vingresso is a sales training company and we specialize in helping B2B sellers learn digital selling techniques. And the reason for that is that the response rate for things like the telephone and email that we all grew up with has been dropping every year. And so, we really practice an omni channel prospecting method that relies a lot on social networking, principally LinkedIn, um, which we'll talk about. But also one of the other vast emerging aspects of that is salespeople using video. So we're adding social and we're adding video onto the phone and email outreach.
0: And you guys are really good at what you do. We know firsthand and we also see everything that you guys are doing out there and you guys are kicking butt. One of the things that we want to talk about today is that Vingresso recently put out a report on the state of digital selling with LinkedIn for 2019. So would you give us kind of like just a little bit of background before we kind of go into it about why you feel this study is important?
2: Uh, Sure. So this I'll tell you a little bit about the background. So this study is really based around a service that we do for companies where we're analyzing their sales team's digital selling health. So it's really a gap analysis. And we go in and we ask 10 questions that give us a really good read on how the company stacks up to industry averages, how their salespeople's digital selling skills stack up. And so we've been acquiring this data for a few years, and we decided it's really something that would value a lot of companies, a lot of sales leaders to really know what that information is. And so we got the approval from some of the uh, companies that we had done performed a service to just use the data uh, anonymously, right? So we're just you're looking at it in aggregate, obviously. And then we've rolled that into this state of digital selling report.
1: One thing I noticed, Kurt, about the report is that you guys made a distinction between digital selling and social selling. Can you tell us a little bit about the difference and as well as how they fit together?
2: Sure. So, right. A lot of the focus is, is on Social selling, because it does center around LinkedIn, obviously, which is the world's largest social network for business with 660 million people on it. But yeah, you're right. There are other aspects of digital selling that come into play outside of just social networks. Uh, one of them I already mentioned, which is the use of video by salespeople themselves. Now, not, not marketing video, but we're talking about individual sellers themselves that Mm-hmm. Can create you know a sixty second video five minutes after getting off of a telephone call and send it in a one on one fashion back to their prospect. So that's one big aspect of it. Another aspect of it um, that we're seeing a lot of interest in is you know there's a whole category of what are often called sales cadence tools. You know, we have, uh, we have of course, the Vanilla Sauce and we have the Sales Lofts and the Outreach I.O. and there's a handful of others in that space. And so when you think about sales cadence if people aren't familiar with it sales cadence is really says all right what's a how's a salesperson going to reach this person if it takes you know 7 to 8 touches because those touches might be a couple of phone calls a couple of emails a couple of social touches etc and so again when it gets into those areas where we have expertise of like social a lot of times clients will say hey uh what what should i be saying here how should i approach them or should i engage one of their posts first or then should i invite them to join my network that type of thing so that that's where uh, the idea of digital selling is a little bit bigger than just social.
0: Do you find a lot of people kind of just refer to it all as social selling when you start some of your classes? Is there...
2: (laughs) You two are are, are marketing and branding uh, experts, so you know how this is. I mean, I would say in terms of, short answer is yes. You know, I think that in terms of the, the sort of label that has stuck in people's mind, um, social selling really is the one that's been around for, gosh, I don't know, six or seven years. And I and, and I think, you know, a lot of that is probably fueled by, um, you know, uh, LinkedIn's content marketing reach and advertising muscle as the 800 800- Gorilla in the space. So even though I have heard for the last three years, everyone's saying, oh, the term social selling is dead, you know, it, it still seems to be around. And that's kind of what people think about.
0: Yeah. And I got to tell you, I, I, I love it when you put some of your videos out. Um, I guess that would be considered the social selling, like the one where you were skiing. It, oh, it, yeah. yeah. I, that was one of my favorite ones because it drew attention to you. I just had to throw that out there.
2: <laughs> I was having some crazy fun with a green screen there for sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so let's dig into some of the key takeaways from the report. So Vingresso surveyed, I think it was like 862 B2B sales professionals across all different industries, like professional services, technology, manufacturing. Healthcare care and financial services. And you took all their LinkedIn habits as part of this digital selling benchmark assessment, and you found four key takeaways. So we want to kind of walk through those key takeaways. And the first one is the high SSI or the social selling index scores and how they're linked to common behaviors, habits, and successful sales results. Can you first, can you kind of walk us through what that is and why it's important and the kind of information it provides, and then kind of dig into the habits and behaviors that you're typically seeing related to these Mm -hmm. high scores?
2: So uh, SSI stands for Social Selling Index. And it is a index that LinkedIn provides for every one of its 660 million members. So anybody listening can go check out their own score between zero and 100. It's sort of like uh, like the FICO score is for your credit worthiness. It's your social it's your selling worthiness. There's, there's four categories. This is what's in, important to understand. So there's four categories that make up that score. You can get up to 25 in each. Four times 25, there's your 100 points. So the first one is called Establish Your Professional Brand. And that one really centers around your LinkedIn profile itself and treating that like your professional webpage and not just a resume. The second category is called find the right people. So find the right people usually means a selling role. That means you're searching for people and you're viewing their profiles. So, you know, you might be selling marketing automation software. So you're looking for directors of demand generation or VPs of marketing or CMOs or something like that. The third area is called engage with insights. And this is the, I guess, newer skill for salespeople. Anyway, this is the one that deals with both sharing content, but then actually coming back in and commenting, whether it's back to people that are commenting on your own post or just other posts that you see, they're about topics where that you are involved with. So that's the engagement content side of it. And then the last piece of it, so central to any, any sales role for the last 500 years, is about building relationships. So this comes back to LinkedIn connections. Um, you know, what types of people are you inviting? Are you getting the right kinds of customers and prospects, referral partners, folks like that? So we look at that SSI score as a really key part in all the training that we do for companies. But it's also a key part of this digital selling report. And as no surprise, there's a very high correlation between Sellers that have high SSI scores and sellers that are Mm -hmm. reaching quota, right, being successful, shrinking sales cycles, all all of the Mm -hmm. key performance indicators that sales leaders love to hear about, they all look better when those reps have high SSI scores.
0: Are some of those areas more important? For them to be focusing on like seeing a higher engage with insights section versus establishing your personal brand or anything like that, or any of those making it a higher SSI score?
2: I I, I would say in terms of their importance, they're actually perfectly balanced. Really, it you know it's kind of like think of it like a like a four cylinder engine where you 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 really need all four pistons firing kind of equal However, I'll answer your question kind of a slightly different way. No doubt, the one that's, that's always weakest for people, if we accept that they're all equally important, the one that is always the weakest for people is number three, which is engaging with insights. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that is an inbound marketing type of activity, but you're talking about it being practiced by an individual salesperson. So the individual, so that really requires a mindset shift. You know, I mean, I don't need to tell you two about about this, right? But I mean, the salespeople that inbound marketing mindset got to kind of get used to it and understand that hey all of this lead generation all of this subject matter expertise you know i can't put it on the back of just my marketing department it's really a shared thing now because salespeople have a platform to share content and what really works so well and most marketers just love right is when salespeople get it and they become a very strong distribution channel mm-hmm. for the great content that the marketing department is putting out anyway. Yes. So, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, my joke my joke if I was talking to you help it on the content side for a marketing department, what I always say to the marketing leader is like, "Hey, how would you like to add 100 people to the marketing department overnight without increasing your payroll?"
0: Right. Hey folks, let's take a break to hear about today's sponsor. <laughs> and we
1: are back. The next takeaway kind of surprises me a little bit, but maybe it kind of corresponds to another finding you had. Only 27% of survey respondents are using advanced search more than 11 times per month. I do think I remember you guys also found that not everyone's using paid versions of LinkedIn. Do you think that's part of the issue? Maybe they don't have the level of searching they would desire or do, are there other things that are keeping them from using advanced search?
2: It's both, yeah. It's all of those things and, and then some. I mean, again, I think uh, in a lot of instances, it's crazy because I've been uh, really focused on LinkedIn since I uh, started it on 2010 and dedicated solely in 2011 on it. So a long time and LinkedIn itself, now 16 years old, so it's not exactly new. But I mean, I'm continually shocked here, even in 2019, of so many people that don't realize like, wait, you're telling me I can go find all the directors of software engineering in Seattle in the financial services industry. I can find all of them in five seconds. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yes, you can. It's a it's a big database. And, you know, that's the that that's one of the things that that I think is really different about LinkedIn. When you look at all the other big social networks, you know, your Facebooks, Instagrams, Pinterest and sort of things like that, because to me, i be interested in your comment. Let, let me, uh, you know, let me set this up and I'll turn the tables and ask you guys a question. I'm interested in your comment on it. I mean, to me, the other platforms are really skewed toward the engage with content side but they're not really into the Rolodex database side. I mean, I know you can go in and filter and sort of find those people, but most of that filtering and finding is sort of more mm-hmm. done by the professional marketer, like let's say in Facebook, than the average Facebook user, as opposed to like LinkedIn is a Rolodex of 660 million people there. And all you got to do is, is know the criteria you're going after, industry, title, location, right? whatever other criteria. And you can go so what what do you guys think of that idea in terms of LinkedIn having this extra database element?
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And we actually interviewed Larry Kim recently talking about Facebook Messenger ads and Instagram ads and how marketers can really target and find those things. But yeah, just thinking about being your average Joe on the street or somebody trying to sell You can't find that information about people on Facebook or Instagram like you can on LinkedIn. Mm
0: -hmm. And like LinkedIn is that professional network. So people are going to put where they work, what their job title is. Right. Whereas on Twitter, Facebook, all these others, they don't have to put that information out there. And it's they may not want and they may not want people to know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely the better place.
2: Yeah, and, and, and LinkedIn is so much. I mean, I'll give you a specific example of that point is, uh, you know, LinkedIn is certainly skewed in my mind toward, toward a a B and b seller. Uh, I've seen plenty of examples. B2C sellers using it, but it's used B2B B for sure. I was one time teaching a big class of, you know, retail insurance brokers, retail, meaning um, home life auto, right? They sold home home life and auto. And when the first question out of the audience was, hey, how do I find parents on, how do I find people that are parents on LinkedIn? Because they wanted to sell life insurance, right? I said, yeah, uh-uh, yeah, no. I mean, right. That's not, that's not one of the uh, database criterias because it, that it's, it's it's really, it's your business persona that, that people are, yeah that's what they're representing there.
0: You can do some advanced search with the free LinkedIn, but do you recommend for salespeople, I think, I'm pretty sure I know what your answer is, but that they get the paid version of LinkedIn so that they have access to more. Or sales navigator. Those
2: fields and
0: yeah, sales navigator.
2: Yeah. Yes. I, yes, I do. You know, I, what I usually tell people is that if the individual, right, spends at least of their time really actively prospecting and they are responsible for generating an appreciable amount of their own leads in order to put food on the table and play the electric bill. Then, I think, yes, it's a very wise investment to get that more high-powered search capabilities of Sales Navigator. So
0: let's go into the third takeaway. That one is that more than one-third of respondents never share content with their network on LinkedIn. That I couldn't believe that. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like mind-blowing yeah. to never share anything. It's like crazy. Do you think that's because some of them are kind of old school and just don't believe in social as part of their sales strategy? Or do you think it's other causes like maybe sales and marketing alignment issues?
2: Again, I think it's an all all of the above in that one. Certainly, people aren't used to it if they've been selling for a while I can say this because I'm in the older category, right? But I mean, generally, if you look at older people that have been, let's say, selling three decades, they didn't grow up with this mindset of really transparency that social networks bring, where everybody's sharing everything about their life. And so... Again, just in general, there's less, I think, comfort with doing that, but I say in general, I always love telling this story about, um, I was training, uh, this happened to be a business insurance company, and I was training this big group, there's about 50 people, and one of the senior most members there, the guy, had been at that company for 45 years. He had been at the company for 45 years. He was about 69 and he sat through the whole class and he totally got it. And he just like became a giant LinkedIn geek and he was just eating it up, right? And, I mean, he got Sales Navigator and just everything. So he completely shattered this stereotype. And I said to him af- afterwards, he was just going to town. He was posting stuff all the time. Totally got it. I said, I'm like, wow, you you, you really shatter the uh, stereotype. You know, most people have about... <laughs> old dog learn a new trick i'm like what triggered that in your mind he said oh well he said when you said linkedin was the rolodex of the 21st century he said "I, i i thought to myself wait a minute i've been in this business 40 years everybody i started with is now ceos of the company i'm on the board of you know the biggest insurance company of in town i chaired the united way two different years i sit on the board of my university and i belong to the best country club in town He said, so if you're telling me this is a networking game, I'm going to win.
1: One thing that strikes me about the the inbound part that you mentioned earlier, maybe that's part of the, the mindset shift that needs to happen. They don't realize the sharing of content is what really could help them connect with people
2: Mm -hmm. yeah but it's 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 a it's definitely it's a light bulb moment you know i mean they they haven't done it before and there's a little reluctance i I think the other thing is a lot of people are worried again if they haven't done any social let's say they're maybe they're older and they haven't really done any social networks and their company says hey we're going to start doing this thing on linkedin so they haven't don't have a lot of experience with just social networks in general as opposed to oh maybe they've done facebook and instagram or pinterest or something and now they're just transferring it over it's a little easier to make that but um but the other factor of it, other than just, uh, I don't want to be that transparent with my life, is you know a lot of people are worried about looking stupid or doing something wrong or posting something that they can't pull back or breaking the internet. And so there's that anxiety that some people have. And so you just got to kind of slowly get them through it and they post a couple of things and then they see some people on their network like it. And then of course, you know, we, we know how that works. Right. And then the dopamine starts releasing and they're like, Oh my God, this is awesome. Like,
1: <laughs> I think some people actually appreciate when they see that human side where you're not totally perfect. Elena did a video and put some blooper outtakes
0: where she kept goofing up and that really got good response. Yeah. A couple of people were like, oh, so you don't have to do it perfectly. I think I might make a video now. Mm, (laughs) (laughs) Do you see, do you think that where the, some of the respondents aren't sharing content, do you think that companies where they have that employee advocacy programs, they have a much better situation happening than companies that don't?
2: Yes, absolutely. So, So yeah, employee advocacy, this type of software we're basically used for companies so they can really formalize, institutionalize the process of content sharing across the sales people or all the employee base, which is why it's called employee advocacy. But you're exactly right because if you have a tool like that, what happens is marketing goes out and finds the content, whether it's their own content or it could be their own content or it could be things that they source from third parties like industry news sources. And then they write a little opinion on it, and then they serve it up to the, to the salespeople or the employees on a silver platter. And really, it's been vetted by the company's marketing department. So people don't, they don't really have to think <laughs> if they don't want, and they know it's sort of safe, so they're not going to look stupid or do something wrong. And so there's that comfort factor. I, I say it's it's basically like social sharing with training wheels. That's what it's like. So, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, let's put the training wheels on. Let's get used to being on a bike. And then they get a little bit more comfortable. It's easier for them to start.
1: Mm-hmm. Fourth finding we noticed in the report, nearly three in five respondents said they do not publish any media like documents, videos, presentations on their LinkedIn profile. That, yeah, I guess that's surprising. But when you consider people aren't sharing content just in their updates either, maybe it's not. What did you guys find with that?
2: Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, and those two are very closely related because again it's it's really about the individual salesperson you want to position yourself as a subject matter expert you know that's always been important in sales you want to position yourself as somebody that has experience and credibility and helping your particular ideal customer type right with with the solutions they're looking for and so one way to do that is sharing content which we talked about earlier but the content that's always there is what's on your profile so now uh, 10 years ago, LinkedIn, you started adding the ability to add things like documents and videos and presentations and images and all those types of things. So that profile page, which is a web page, actually looks more like a web page and not flat uh, text kind of resume. So again, that's the big, that's another one of those big mindset things people get. Well, sellers in particular uh, need to have a mindset shift over the LinkedIn profile is not your resume unless you're looking for a job. If you're looking for prospects, right, it needs to be an attractive, more like a web page. Thinking about it, and have the elements of, of various types of media. Again, to you guys, we're just talking about video there. You know, so we, we've worked with companies that have a, a thousand salespeople, and they go out and they spend you know fifty thousand dollars a piece making these like beautiful YouTube videos, and they got them all trapped on the YouTube site. Well, when we go to a, a wholesale profile makeover for these people, we're picking the ideal ones and putting them on reps profile. So now you're, instead of it being on one website, right? You know, you might have that great piece of video. Maybe it's the president talking about something, maybe it's a case study, but now it's on a thousand other pages. So it just maximizes the investment that's already been made, but you're maximizing the return from that investment.
1: So, Kurt, are there any other closing thoughts or tips you'd like to share from the digital sales report?
2: Well, I would definitely want to point people, if they want to find out more, just go download it. They can just go to stateofdigitalselling.com, and you can probably put that in the show notes. And you know that's the easiest way that the people can come in and, and, and see it. We, we do break down uh, a certain 10 survey questions, and then the report includes 10 actions. That are all related, right? To each one of those, on what a sales leader could do with their own group to help th- to help them both identify how their team stacks up. As well as what they could do if they notice a gap there that they want to close.
1: Great. And if you're game, we like to close our conversations with some kind of fun question. Uh, if you weren't the chief sales officer at of Vingresso, what would your dream job be?
2: I would be I, I I would be a a tour guide in wine country.
1: Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: As long as you get free drinks. <laughs>
2: Even if even if nobody shows up that day, it's going to be fun, right?
0: Yeah, right. Exactly, exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much for digging into this report with us, Kurt. And now it's up to all of you listening to take what we've talked about and get your LinkedIn profile and activities on track if you want to see results. So, Kurt, if people want to get in touch with you, how should they reach out to you?
2: Sure, they can reach me on my email. Kurt, K-U-R-T at vengresso.com or just look me up on LinkedIn. Send me an invite and tell me you heard me on the podcast with the Jackson sisters.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be including links to Kurt's contact info and his uh, email in the show notes. So if you missed it, don't worry. Kurt, thank you so much for joining us
0: today. Yeah, thank you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Enjoyed it, Stacey and Lana. Thanks.
0: Okay, people, that's a wrap. If you want to get in touch with me or Stacy, you can hit us up on social. On Twitter, you can find Stacy at Stacy underscore Jax. That's S-T-A-C-Y underscore J-A-X. And you can find me at Elena underscore Jax. That's A-L-A-N-N-A underscore J-A-X. And hey, maybe you're not a Twitter fan. Look us up on LinkedIn, Stacy Jackson or Elena Jackson. We will respond to you with any questions you might have if you reach out to us. Finally, don't forget, you can also leave us a voicemail on the Anchor mobile app. All right, people. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. Bye. The B2B Mix Show is hosted by Stacey Jackson and Elena Jackson of, you guessed it, Jackson Marketing. If you need help with your B2B inbound marketing efforts, visit us at jacksonmarketingservices.com.